Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a health law podcast brought to you by Seifarth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare group. Each Healthcare Beat episode focuses on key industry trends and legal developments while identifying practical takeaways for those of you like us who deal with these issues every day. I'm Heather Claus, a Seifarth healthcare attorney in Sacramento. And I'm Chris DeMeo, a Seifarth healthcare attorney in Houston. Let's get started. This episode of Healthcare Beat is the first in a two-part series focused on privacy and cybersecurity risks for healthcare organizations. I'm happy to say that for these two episodes, we've gone coast to coast to pull experts from the front lines to discuss important security and breach response challenges currently facing healthcare providers. Heather, who do we have with us today? Chris, we have two guests today, Kathleen McConnell and Scott Carlson. Kathleen is a partner in CIFARTH's San Francisco office. She's a member of CIFARTH's commercial litigation group. Her practice focuses on data analytics, electronic discovery, information governance, and data privacy. Scott Carlson is a partner in our Chicago office. He chairs CIFARTH's e-discovery and information governance practice and co-chairs the firm's global privacy and security team. Well, I can say for one that I was in a meeting recently with Kathleen where she described what she does, and everybody in the meeting was like, wow, that is so cool. I wish I did that. So excited to hear from her today. Yep, me too. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. First question for Scott. Could you please tell me how is technology changing the healthcare industry and what types of vulnerabilities exist for cybersecurity threats? Yeah, it's interesting. So for those that aren't familiar, there's sort of the Internet of Things. And what the Internet of Things is, is what we see in our homes, that increasingly your washing machine is connected to the Internet and your dryer is connected to the Internet so that you can know when when the washing machine's done and your microwave is connected to the Internet. And the same sort of seems like a nice convenience, seems like that's not a big deal. Well, in the healthcare community, it's the Internet of Medical Things. And when you think about a intensive care unit or even just a hospital room, you have many, many devices um, in, a, in an intensive care unit. You could have 30 different devices that are all connected to the Internet on their own. And those every time you connect a device to the Internet, you provide a vulnerability. And so one of the things that is sort of vexing healthcare is that you have all these devices and you have to keep them updated and patched and they are connected to the internet and they allow vulnerabilities for an attacker to get in the environment. Earlier this spring, there was an article that said that 73% of IV intravenous pumps have a vulnerability that could jeopardize patient safety. So, I mean, there's just a massive footprint that healthcare has, and you're constantly trying to get new, innovative things into the hospitals, into the healthcare industry, and every one of them carries their own risk. Okay, so would you say that it's accurate that entities operating in the healthcare space face increased risk of cybersecurity threats over other industries? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple of things at play there. One is this larger footprint that causes them to have an increased risk over, say, your, you know, run-of-the-mill company that has, you know, maybe some laptops and workstations and cellular devices. They have way more of an exposure. The other thing is that they're targeted more. If you were going on the dark web where illicit activity happens, 
a health record is very valuable, much more valuable than a credit card number, much more valuable than a social security number, because a complete healthcare record allows someone, a bad guy, to do two things. One, it lets them engage in some very, very serious and, and reliable identity theft because you have such a composite of a person's life that you can be way better at identity theft if you have a health record. The other thing with a health record is it lets you engage in billing fraud. And you can, with a complete health record, you can try to obtain false payments at fairly large dollars. So health records are one of the most sought after things to sell on the dark web when it comes to personal information. So PHI is high on the list. And so healthcare organizations are targeted for that reason. So there's clearly a lot of risk in this area. What are steps that healthcare organizations can take to protect their data, mitigate risk against a cyber attack, anything they can do to kind of prevent what you're talking about here? Yeah, you really have to have an overall, I mean, healthcare, unfortunately, for its risk profile, has underinvested in cybersecurity as an industry for many years. And so they're a little bit behind. You have to really be aggressive and and invest in your cybersecurity programs. And some of the most common areas of what we're seeing cyber insurers are particularly addressing is uh, multi-factor authentication. So making sure that when you log into a system that there's a second factor, multi-factor to get in. Privilege access management, try to control who has administrative rights, you know, who is in your environment. I mean, all of the major cyber controls really need to be looked at. I mean, I think the bottom line is an organization really needs to partner with uh, ideally uh, under privilege with a cybersecurity consultant and really do a true maturity assessment to see where their environment is and take a hard, critical look at just what are they doing and what they aren't. It's a very difficult, you know, profile, as I said, and it, it really needs a bottom up evaluation to see where you're at. And simply saying to your CIO, if you're the general counsel, that, yeah, are we OK? I think it's a trust, but verified. They may not realize where their mistakes are. And so I think coming in, attacking your own organization with a consultant, doing a maturity assessment are all things that are prudent these days. So, Kathleen, with that in mind, I'm sure our listeners would like to hear about the types of fraud you're currently seeing in your practice for healthcare providers and the financial impact this activity is having on the industry. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the healthcare industry obviously is one that impacts a lot of money in the United States. I think the estimate for 2020 was that there was. $4.1 $4.1 trillion spent on healthcare in the United States in 2020, representing, you know, just billions of health insurance claims. And from a fraud perspective, there are different estimates. The National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association, I think, estimates that are around, estimates that there are about 3% of healthcare claims that are fraudulent. Some of the government entities put that number closer to 10%. But either way, you're talking about tens of billions to hundreds of billions of dollars being spent in connection with fraudulent healthcare claims. And I think it's not only the question of what's the dollar value that's associated with these claims, but also the fact that when you have fraud in the healthcare industry, 
it not only affects the financial bottom line, but also the way that people perceive and have faith in our healthcare environment. And one of the things that doesn't always get talked about as a direct consequence of fraud is also kind of the impact on patients and their lives that can be very detrimental and very difficult to correct if you have fraudulent information that's part of an individual's medical record um, that can lead to misdiagnoses, wrong types of treatment, and really cause very damaging uh, consequences from a human perspective. In terms of the types of things that we're seeing, there are kind of common themes that, you know, we've seen for a long time over the years. Types of things we see are, you know, billing for services that were never rendered. You have things that are called upcoding, where there might be billing for a more expensive service or procedure than what the provider actually provided. You might have someone who's performing medically unnecessary services just for the purpose of generating insurance payments. You could have someone who's misrepresenting non-covered treatments as medically necessary covered treatments for the purpose of obtaining insurance payments. Those are the ones where you might see like a nose job that's being billed as a deviated septum repair. You might have someone who's falsifying a patient's diagnoses and medical records to justify tests or surgeries or other procedures that aren't necessary. You might see unbundling where a provider takes the different steps of a procedure and bills them all as though they are separate procedures. You might have patients who are being billed for copays in amounts that are exceed what the copay actually was. So you might have an insurance company that actually paid a larger percentage or covered a copay and the providers charging more to the patient than was left uncovered by the insurance. So there, there are a number of different ways that we see fraud coming through in the medical context in terms of ways that we can kind of identify these types of frauds. Types of things that we look for are kind of programmatically and trying to visualize indicials of fraud uh, that can represent abuse or overuse. Like sometimes we'll see consistent use of certain medications or procedures for like a lot of patients or all patients for a certain medical provider. Something else that we might see are certain combinations of compound medications, compound prescriptions that are being prescribed for more than one patient. That's often a tip off that something weird is going on. You know, we might see the frequency of prescriptions of either regular prescriptions or compounded prescriptions, the frequency at which they're being prescribed being more frequent than it would actually be called for. And then we can also do kind of like time trends analysis where we look at patterns of suspicious behavior, perhaps shifting from one pharmacy to another pharmacy. If you've got a fraudulent provider who's kind of shopping around and, you know, trying to not raise, not trying to not set off red flags. So instead of staying at one pharmacy where they might be conducting some shady behavior, they're shopping around. So we might see pattern analyses changing where shady things are happening at one pharmacy. And then over time, we can kind of see that shift to another location and yet to another location. Sometimes we see commonality in terms of contact information and physical addresses for providers that are theoretically separate providers, but you realize at the end of the day are really actually all the same either provider or set of providers that are working together. So you might see commonality in provider information. Sometimes we'll do, you know, kind of location analyses to figure out if we have claims that are happening for supposedly the same patients, providers that there's no way they could have seen those certain providers at the same time or on the same day, or they couldn't have been at work and also seeing providers at the same day. So there's location analyses we can do. So that was kind of a long-winded answer of like types of fraud that we're seeing and also different ways that we kind of go about trying to identify and visualize the fraud that is occurring. Well, that was amazing. 
And I can say that a lot of those items that you discussed have been issues for a long time, but with technology being what it is and, and the ubiquity of data being what it is, it's just gone off exponentially. And so knowing about your internal data and, and how to analyze that has to be a must for anybody in the healthcare field today. And so against that backdrop, what can you tell us about how CIFAR's data science and analytics team is uniquely positioned to help combat fraud against healthcare organizations? Yeah, our team is really uniquely positioned in terms of being on the cutting edge of both the legal practice and in the healthcare space. We have a team of data scientists that work very closely with our attorney team to kind of bring the expertise of both from the data science perspective and from the legal perspective together. And we find that that really offers value that you don't necessarily get if you're only working with a group that does data science or you're only working with a group that's looking at it from the legal perspective. Really, the, the blended value of both understanding how the claims work and what's going on from the legal side joining that with the data science expertise. And so it's interesting, our group, unlike a lot of data science or analytics folks, we don't just rely on pre-existing software and packages, but we literally customize solutions that fit the complex needs of our cases and investigations on an individual basis. And our data scientists are not only programmers, but they're also data detectives and really understand the law and the legal side of what's going on. So as a team, we really evaluate evidence and claims and defenses that are hidden in the data. And we really perform complex analyses on healthcare-related data sources. And a lot of that value really comes in being able to identify and visualize a lot of the indicials of fraud that I discussed a moment ago of looking for those different kind of suspicious patterns, being able to put that into a format in a, often we do as much with data visualization as we can to make it as easy as possible to kind of see trends, see these patterns occurring, see the overlapping themes that might tip you off that something suspicious is going on. And so I think that that's really, you know, a lot of the value that our team brings to healthcare fraud analysis work in particular. Kathleen, I was wondering if I could ask you if the same things that you're doing to detect fraud can be used by a provider to defend themselves against, you know, an improper allegation of fraud. I certainly think it could be. Kind of the absence of those types of patterns or frequencies of these kind of shady behaviors certainly would help to bolster a defense for a party that's been wrongly accused of fraudulent behavior. So it's always harder to prove something if you're trying to prove a negative of something that's not there. But, you know, kind of being able to show that things are representative with national statistics or national curves and that your patterns look similar to over to the healthcare industry in general certainly would be a helpful data point in terms of proving up a defense. Hey, thank you, Kathleen. You both recently participated in a docu-series video project with AHLA, so American Health Lawyers Association. How can our listeners access this and other firm content? And can you also just tell us a little bit about your participation in the video project? Yeah, the, um, the video is available um, on our website at cyfart.com. You can also find it on YouTube. It's called Health Law Disruption, Cybersecurity and Emerging Data Risks. And so you can search for that and uh, you'll find it. It was a uh, fun project. We tried to bring together a wide range of uh, skill sets and, and perspectives, you know, mine from more of the cyber side, Kathleen from the data analytics, Jesse from sort of a Coleman from a litigation, you know, healthcare related litigation perspective, and Leon, who was uh, 
a former government regulator to give his sort of perspective. So we tried to bring everything together from all these disciplines to try to put together our sort of thoughts on what's emerging in healthcare and cybersecurity. Great, thank you, Scott. And we will be hearing from both Jesse and Leon in a later episode. So we'll be hearing from everyone that participated. So thank you so much. And thank you to both of you for um, your expertise and your insights. We've really appreciated hearing from you both today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. And thank you for joining us for another edition of SciFarth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in health law. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit us on SciFarth.com or follow us on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.